Welcome to the Educated by Design podcast, where we discuss ways to design the space, metaphorically of course, to experiment, explore, and extract your creative potential, not just for yourself, but for your students as well. Hey everyone, happy Friday and welcome to another episode of the Educated by Design podcast. Today is the six-week mark of the podcast relaunch and we are now in a chapter that I really had a hard time figuring out where was this chapter going to go and that is chapter number six, Technology is Just a Tool. The chapter was a difficult one for me to capture because in all honesty the way in which we use technology in our lives it has so so much different context and purpose and value depending on your exposure to cutting edge your frequency of engagement and how you see other people using it and i think that that for me is something totally mind-blowing when I talk about ways in which education can be impacted by technology a lot of the times we're trying to figure out how we're going to deliver tools to our students to young people but when reality sort of sets in you come to the realization that your students have as much to teach you about the role of technology in life as you do for them so one of the things that I think is really important is to you know, start with a quote. I haven't done that um, in the other episodes, but I think it's you know part of the book is beginning with some you know context. So there's two quotes that I bring for this chapter to open it up. The first is from the Zohar, which is a mystical book attributed to a a rabbi, a kabbalist from the first century common era. Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai. It says, In the 600th year of the sixth millennia, the gates of sublime wisdom will open and the wellsprings of the lower wisdom will burst forth. 600th year of the sixth millennium is the onset of the Industrial Revolution. Second quote is from Elon Musk. People sometimes think technology just automatically gets better every year, but it actually doesn't. It only gets better if smart people work like crazy to make it better. That's how any technology actually gets better. There is an app called TikTok that if your students are not using, then they're losing at the game of the internet. The platform rebranded itself from a previous name, Musical.ly, and the whole premise is to engage in storytelling through song, which I think is absolutely incredible, engaging through dance, interpretive dance, with different ways of time-lapsing text in as well. The amount of incredible creativity that is pouring out of the minds of these young people as they go about creating this content is not just inspiring but it's literally mind-blowing because for me i look at as how can we engage young people in learning through the process of technology tools 
And what you end up discovering is that many times the power is within what is in right in front of you the entire time. So there's no reason to figure out, you know, how can you give student voice and student choice and let students express themselves when you have platforms that literally do that for you. I'll let students focus on the learning. One of the cool things about TikTok is that you can actually create content and then draft it into private and then download it and then submit it on Flipgrid or via Google Classroom. Imagine trying to communicate an idea in 15 seconds 60, or 60 seconds and be able to convey that idea clearly. That shows true understanding of knowledge and of content. Now, does that mean that you need to TikTokify everything? Well, I will leave that decision-making up to you, the listener, but I will tell you right now, it's highly unlikely that your students have the capacity to TikTok-tize everything. But I could see this having a role in math, humanities, science, STEM, engineering, entrepreneurship, communication, speech and debate, you name it. I just gave a keynote at Pepperdine University. It was a really exciting moment for me because it was the first time I had delivered the Educated by Design keynote to a higher ed audience. And I was a little bit nervous, to be honest, because I wasn't sure if I was going to be relevant and I want to be true to myself, so I wasn't sure exactly how, if I wasn't relevant, was I going to connect with these professors, with these educators, these researchers, these PhD-holding experts in their field. And I realized something after this keynote, which was that it is almost impossible to disconnect student engagement, their ability to capture their imagination and share it with an audience and the role of technology in that regardless of how old these students are. Same struggles in higher ed, if not worse, because students have been absolutely indoctrinated into the process in game of school. So one of the things that I talk about in this in this chapter that I think is incredible, and I shared it there, it was pretty cool to showcase, you know, elementary school students in engaged in creating meaningful content that was both analog and digital and then come out and showcase that content to a higher ed and say, hey, how are your students doing this? The Q&A, by the way, was absolutely incredible. Uh, it was super bold. I was a little nervous because I sort of like put it out there like Q&A, push back, be true to yourself. And there could have been so many questions uh, about my work and the validity around it. Uh, and they, they really, they were genuine questions that did push back a little bit, but it's because their struggle was real. How do they give their students opportunities to create incredible content? And I said, you know, who has, who has an iPhone in the room? And we showcased all of the different ways in which the iPhone has become so much of other technology tools that we had grown to love over the years, whether it's a, a PDA 
a video camera, our watch, a pager, a phone, a camera, a music, Walkman that holds music, stores it, and plays it for you. Oh, and a computer. Talk a lot about consumption versus creation. I think that's mission critical right now. The biggest social media tools, which basically equates to the internet, are content driven by creation. On Instagram, you can define yourself on a business profile as a creator or as a business. Snapchat, TikTok, same thing. Facebook, content creation, YouTube. The largest platforms on the internet are all focused on how can we make content that is engaging and interesting and intriguing. Look at what I'm doing right now. You can't look. I'm sitting here in sunny Los Angeles, West LA, under the beautiful sun, enjoying the outdoors. But I'm capturing a story via audio using a road mic and a Joby tripod, an iPhone, and one app that lets me distribute this content across worlds, across continents, across worlds. Wow, a little Star Wars for you. A little too sci-fi. So that hundreds and thousands of people can listen to the content and then say on Twitter or some other social platform in content that they've created to thank, question, push back, and celebrate the conversations that are happening. So being able to capture audio, it's a no-brainer. It levels the playing field for introverts, people that are not comfortable communicating on video, and most importantly, it allows for distribution to be in a consumption state when one must focus on the world around them, like when they are driving. There is kinesthetic components you know, the, the, the types of learner, I know that there's like major pushback with, uh, with that, you know, listening, visual and kinesthetic learning. But the fact is, there's kinesthetics that happen all the time when you talk about building and designing technology, the pinch, the zoom, the pullback, the ability to color and design right on the phone is absolutely insane. I'm, I'm sorry, I can't even say enough. And let me tell you something. I absolutely love analog. I have a moleskin notebook. Just created a pretty awesome paper prototype that will be digitized in the coming week and turned into a semi-functional mock-up using Adobe XD. But to be able to get there, to be able to get to the technology piece where it's going to make sense, I had to draw it out by hand. I had to go through the process of building and designing this on paper, telling the story of it to make sense of the screens and the process and the methodology in which a person would engage on this platform that I'm designing. And it also allows me then to validate it through technology. Now, a technology-rich environment doesn't mean that everything is tech. I think a lot of the times what we get on is that we need to have technology at all times. It's a false narrative because a lot of the times technology can actually prevent us from achieving and doing and getting things done. I think a lot of the times this conversation 
evolves into something so interesting. Sometimes I wonder why did I put this so late into the book in the middle, in the 120s, 130s. And then I realized something uh, pretty powerful, which is that if this is where you start the narrative, then it's not a genuine narrative. How many times have I, as the tech rabbi, started to have conversations with people that are not fully briefed on technology in general, let alone education? Where do they go? Oh, keyboarding, right? What about typing? You know, are we really going to be talking our essays as we write? Let me just tell you something right now. Gary Vaynerchuk has, I think, seven New York Times bestselling books, and he audio records the story of every single book and has somebody else write it, has someone else type it up. He publishes books with his mouth. The idea of, you know, I pulled some, some research around 21st century learning. TVs replacing teachers in the classroom, New York Times, 1991. Can computers replace teachers, Time Magazine, 2012? Will computers ever replace teachers, The New Yorker, 2014? Technology must be viewed as a catalyst for materializing our imagination rather than a method to digitize the status quo. Let me just tell you something right now. If you do not see the value in technology as a method of productivity, a method of communication, and a method of amplifying learning in ways that we never thought possible. So besides not being familiar with Seymour Papert, you just don't understand technology. You just don't get it. And that's okay, because that's why you might be listening. That's why you might be reading this book. But I highly doubt it. I don't think my book is for people that don't believe in this, because you see it in your own life, right? We're not saying is technology something that needs to replace everything, but you use technology in, as, as a purposeful tool in your life all the time. You would never miss out on using an app that helps you organize things. You would never miss out on it as a communication device, although I think communication has been tainted by things like reply all email, but we don't want to go there, right? So, where are we going? Where are we going with this process? One thing that I thought about is if I was writing a book, and sometimes my students say, did you write a book? I was like, yeah, I wrote a book. So I always think that's kind of a entertaining. So the next 10 years, I was like, if I would write a book about iPads and Chromebooks, it might, well, it, might, it might as well be obsolete within three to five years. It's not that technology would disappear, but its role and relevance in education may change drastically. Think about it. Three years ago, if you asked me what's the device of choice, I would tell you without question it would be an iPad or an iPhone. Uh, maybe it would be a Chromebook if my goal was to get mediocre technology in the hands of as many people as possible because that levels the playing field and provides equitable access. I think that's incredibly important. Oh, now the Chromebooks have touchscreens. Okay, so now they're not mediocre. They cost almost as much as an iPad with the pencil. Um, I'm excited now. Oh, wait. What is that that you said? Windows just came out with a foldable Surface phone. Oh, yeah. I think that's my next phone. 
although it runs Android with the Windows backend, which is kind of crazy if you think about it. But the point is that there has to be an evergreen, ever-growing process in the field of technology that's focused on storytelling and content creation. And if it can't do that, it doesn't have a role. The people have spoken, and this is what the people say. Visual impact through photo and film is the greatest equalizer of this generation. People are able to create content and express themselves and have the freedom to in this country. I don't want to get political, but let me just tell you right now. If you're listening to this in China, I cannot wait to come and learn from you and teach you about ways to empower innovators and entrepreneurs and young minds. Hear that, China, I'm coming for you. So, frequency of the word essay. That was a really funny graph to draw. Um, there was almost no conversation of any significance in the 1900s for essay. Until 1990, the word was barely used. And then it hit a crescendo, I guess when I was born, 1980s, 84 to be exact. It's had a pretty serious decline, but I'll tell you something right now. If students can create mission and vision statements, if they can communicate what a company does with complete precision, with no buzzwords, if they can create a pitch deck that in 10 slides can tell the whole story of a plan to solve a problem and bring value to others, I could honestly care less if they can write a 20-page paper because that's just about formulating your thoughts and organizing them. 20-page, 50-page. It's just about keeping the content flowing. There's a really cool app called the Hemingway app. It pulls passive voice out of your writing and um, tells you how complex the writing is, what level it's at. Is it a fourth grade level, 12th, 20th grade level? So, you know, I finish off the chapter talking about knowledge and wisdom and understanding. I think it's really significant. Those words in Hebrew, so knowledge is just information. And that's what we value the most in school. Not wisdom, which is how do you, how do you draw out knowledge and expand on it. Understanding is the ability to synthesize the wisdom, or I'm sorry, synthesize the knowledge to draw out new types of wisdom. So it was like, oh, uh, students aren't going to know anything. I was like, no, no, they, they, they know everything because they have access to it in the scope of human knowledge that fits in their pocket. The challenge is, are they able to make sense and find information? Then once they find it, what can they do with it? Can't tell you how many times I've showed student resources, massive databases, and they don't know what to do with it. Like, what would I do with this information? I was like, well, next time you need to know the life story of a company and its growth and success in solving a problem, then you'll go here and you won't ask me if there's an app that 
will let you sell your parking spot to somebody for an event. I think every teacher can spare about 20 minutes to promote engagement through personal expression and creativity. I think it's done through technology. I know not a lot of people have heard about 20% time genius hour. So I'll just tell you right now, there's some really awesome activities in here. Chapter six, technology is a tool for us to empower all learners. All learners have smartphones today. There are more smartphones in the world than there are people. I think there's three smartphones for every person. So we have the ability to empower those people, those young people, to leverage the technology that they have in their hands to communicate ideas and to be accountable for that information in a way that brings value to others. So that can be teaching math, implementing math. You, you, you bring it into the real world. It's not my job. Figure it out. TikTok it. It's going to be an incredible ride if we can just harness this method. Thanks so much for listening. Hope you have a wonderful weekend. And uh, we'll connect next week for Episode 7. Stay tuned. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Educated by Design podcast. If you found this valuable, please leave a review. Rate this podcast because your insight, your feedback is what drives me to keep creating. Thank you so much for listening.